Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together. Lord, we lift you in this place, oh God. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord, for there's no one like you. Hallelujah. Have you come to bless the Lord? I said, have you come to bless the Lord today? Hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord. Amen. Amen. And praise is rising and eyes are turning to Lord, we turn to you. And hope is stirring, and hearts are yearning for you. Oh Lord, we long for you. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna. And you are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna. Returning 
return to you. And in your kingdom, broken lives are made new. Oh Lord, you make us new. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Oh, thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna. And you are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. And come have your way among us. We welcome you here. Sing it again. Hosanna, oh Hosanna, Hosanna. And you are the God who saves. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. And come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you in this place. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. God who saves us, you're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, and come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna. The God who saves us, you're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's give him praise, give him honor. We bless you, Lord. We magnify your name. We glorify your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Put your hands together, yeah. God showed up the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him will live forever bring all your failures bring your addictions 
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. to you now, O oh God. We glorify your name. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Just sing that to the Lord. Hallelujah. Say it to the Lord. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, we praise your name. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, we praise your name. 
know we serve a mighty God today. Amen. Glad to be in church. Glad to be saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, Pentecostal. Yeah. 
today, isn't he? Aren't you thankful for the blood today? I want to, to deal with that subject for just a few moments and this morning as we deal with the topic, the absolute that is not obsolete. Now I'm going to tell you something, that's a tongue twister and um, I've said it today about 10 times this morning over and over and over again. I messed up about half the time so I'm surprised I got it right. The absolute that is not obsolete. Now, we know what absolute is. It's certain. It's sure. It's true. It's been, it's been tested. It's been tried. And it has come out that it is still true. The obsolete, on the other hand, is out of date. Meaning it's no longer a value. It's no longer of use. It's an antiquity. It's an old thing. It's old school. Uh, it's not relevant anymore. But today I want to deal with a topic that is absolute, and I promise you it is not obsolete. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 14. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It has been stated that we live in times of change. We live in changing times. They are constantly switching and changing. And change, it doesn't matter how it comes, whether it's our personal life, whether it's church, whether it is our job. When change comes, change presents us with feelings of discomfort. And quite frankly, change makes us insecure. Even if it's down the changing the toothpaste that we've used for the last 10 years. There's a feeling of discomfort when you try to use the coupon and change brands because you can save money. And oftentimes we find that even when we've changed, we end up coming right back to it because we're so uncomfortable with the change. Because we are known as creatures of habits, all right? We do not always welcome things that move us out of the comfort zone territory. You know, I, I've got a dog that her name is Zoe and she is a Yorkie and we call her Dorky the Yorkie. And Zoe is the strangest little animal. She's a creature of habit. I could go to my house this evening and I could say we're going to take this piece of furniture, whether it be a rug, whatever it is, and I move it and change it to a different position and it destroys her whole world. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to cope. She doesn't know how to deal with it. She just goes to the bathroom, lays in the corner, and trembles. Scared. I don't understand. Change has happened. And because of change, it's uncomfortable. And there's times in our life that I feel like we're kind of like that. But there's some things that are certain to change, right? 
I, I was thinking the other day of some of the things that are absolutes in our lives, you know, and then some things that kind of go out of style and obsolete and out of fashion. And I remember seeing a guy one time that was wearing an old school outfit to which you say, why are you wearing that? That's out of date, to which he says, it's going to come back in style. And guess what happened? Sooner or later, it came back in the style. And bell bottoms that used to be in style, now we've got teenage girls that walked around in and we're saying, what in the world's going on? It came back around. Our clothes changed, thank God, that we don't wear the same one all week. Our cars change. Eventually, we can't get them fixed anymore and we decide it's time to get a new one, right? Our hairstyles at time can change. And some of you say, well, I've had the same hairstyle for 50 years. Yeah, but if you're dying, it you haven't. <laughs> Pastor, stay off of that. I will. In this world of rapid change, people are sensing and looking for something that is secure, something that will give them comfort, something that is immovable. On one occasion, I'll quote, a man said, if I could find something absolute to stand on, I could move the world, meaning that he would have firm ground to stand on even if the world was crumbling. It does not seem in our world that anything is absolute anymore. Everything is constantly shifting. Yet, If it works now, can I count on it later? Our world is so rapidly changing that things that were once up to date today are obsolete tomorrow. You go buy a new phone and it makes you angry when you get the brand new version. And they decide six months later they're going to surprise you with the new one. And you're thinking, man, I just bought this thing. But all of a sudden in people's mind, a brand new phone that is still one of the best around, all right? Even though the new one may have a few little tweaks to it, this is still a great phone. But in our mind, every day when we're walking with it in our pocket, we are thinking to ourselves, I'm carrying around the old technology. Even though it's really still new. It's always changing. Your computer systems. You're doing updates. Everything changes. You buy a computer this year. Next year it's out of date. We're looking for something that is absolute. To even think that anything is absolute anymore. Is considered obsolete thinking. A man named Elton Trueblood is quoted by saying this. Is there anything in this world of doubt and change. That we can truly believe and stand on. Though the heavens are falling. He was simply asking, is there anything perfect that will outlast time, that will outlast itself? And if the world was to fall apart, is there anything absolute anywhere that I can hold on to? Well, I have an answer for Elton and I can tell him today. That there is one thing that is absolute. I just sang about it. It is described in the words of an old hymn. There is a fountain that is filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that blood and lose all of their guilty stains. The blood of Jesus ratifies. It also verifies the entire Bible that we read today. In the text, the writer of Hebrew is giving us a picture of the old sacrificial system. That God had established with Moses in which a high priest, Aaron in this case, would represent a man before God. He was the median. He was the middleman, And so he would go before the presence of God and he would present himself and the offering that Jean, for instance, brings to me. I take her offering and I plead for God's forgiveness through the shed blood of an animal for her sins. That is the old way. This order in the New Testament. Would no longer be absolute. It would no longer be what they would stand on. It would no longer be firm truth. But now the old law. And the old system has become. Obsolete. For there is a better way. That had achieved better results. And that is when Jesus Christ. Would become the sacrifice. And the blood of Christ. Would be shed for our sins. Now, I'm going to show you four aspects this morning. I'm not going to hold you long. I just want to give you four points. We're going to pray. I'm going to let you go home and eat. But before you leave today, I want you to be blessed. Point number one, the atonement of the blood. Look at Romans chapter 8. Let's get into or 5 and verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. When? While we were all sinners. I love that verse. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. The only thing that will save you from the condemnation of God is the blood of Jesus Christ. 
For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his what? His enemies. See, we don't call it this, but if the blood's not applied and we are a friend of the world, we automatically become an enemy of God. The only thing that makes us friends with God is the blood of Christ. All right? So we are still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Where's the life? The life is in the blood. Verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Now when you look at the word atonement, that's exactly what's going, uh, taking place here. The word atonement means to reconcile, to bring us back together in a relationship that has been broken. That's exactly what takes place from the Old Testament to the New. There's 400 silent years. There's prophets that are praying, asking God, give me a word, speak to me. For 400 years, known as the silent years, the dark pages of the Bible, we don't know what happens between, between Malachi and and between Matthew. What we do understand is it's a time that there's no word from the Lord. But all of a sudden, here comes Jesus Christ. And now the reconciliation, the atonement is about to happen and take place. God is about to take man who is in wrong standings. He is going to put him into a place of right standing with his father. The word is in reference to Israel's highest religious holiday, the atonement. When man would put forth his best feeble effort to become one with God. He would try his best with his little lamb to come. His feeble effort to bring the best that he had just hoping that God would forgive him. It was a time when friendship and harmony could be restored to God. Jesus made us who were enemies, friends of God through the atonement. So in other words, the rift that was between God and man is made whole by the blood. It is righteousness and peace that is kissing one another. It is mercy and truth that is meeting together and resisting the judgment of God that would else be on us had it not been for what Jesus does in the atonement sacrifice. Watch this with me. So the atonement sacrifice is as follows. For you that have been on Wednesday nights or watching on Facebook, you may know some of these because we studied it. Number one, the priest had the work alone. He went in by himself. Number two, he had to lay aside his glorious garments that he had on. Third, he would wash himself and rid himself of any ceremonial defilement. He had to be clean before he could enter in. He had to offer a sin offering first for himself. All right. He burned incense. To bring glory to God, give God praise, welcome God down to where man is. The offering has to be taken to what is known as the mercy seat of God. And then he puts back on his glorious garments. Now I'm going to tell you something. How fitting is that example I just gave you of Jesus Christ in type and in symbolism. He fulfilled every one of these steps except one. And I could preach all of them, but I'll just tell you the one. He did not have to present a sin offering for himself. However, he who knew no sin, he became sin for us. The sacrificer became the sacrificed. Did y'all get that? Y'all to write that? Y'all to tweet it. The sacrificed became, the, or the sacrificer became the sacrifice. No wonder that writer wrote that song, Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. We used to go into one verse and we'd say to me, He is so wonderful, no wonder. And I'm telling you, when we take a moment to stop and to recognize how Jesus Christ, through his blood, made atonement and reconciliation. See, if it had not been for Jesus today, there's nobody in this building. If it had not been for Jesus today, there would be no need for a church because there would be no redemption. I would have no message of hope to share with you today. I would not have a message of grace and mercy and truth and the glorious power of God's wonder-working blood. I would not have that today. I could not sing that song to you. But thank God I know what happened on Calvary so I'm able to tell you today you have been brought to reconciliation with God you who used to be in sin now God has made you his friend Woo. so now through the blood I'm a friend of the creator of the universe number two I want you to see the authority 
of the blood. Look at Leviticus 17. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. There's authority in the blood. He said in our passage, he said, what he said, it is the blood. Y'all got that? The authority is in the blood. The reconciliation is taking place because of the blood. Because of the blood, the atonement for your soul has happened. So this shows me that the blood of Jesus is not just ordinary blood. It is blood that has an authority that we have not even scratched the surface of how powerful it is today. That is why whenever the authority... See, when, when, when you look at the story, I, I was reading the other day of, of, of Cain and Abel. And how that God would choose Abel's offering over Cain's offering. And I began to read that story and used to, I thought, it's about the first fruits. Right? It's about... And, and I always thought... When I was younger, the first fruits means I'm giving God my best, right? So what Abel does is Abel goes out into the field, he gets a lamb, and he offers the, the spotless lamb, best lamb he's got to God. But then I read about Cain, and I thought to myself, well, Cain's a worker of the field. So he goes out and picks his best tomatoes, potatoes, and cucumbers, and watermelons, and he brings them to God. It is the best he can find. So when I'm first reading it, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is unfair. Because Cain was a worker of the field that planted, had vegetables. This is what he does for a living. And then I see Abel, on the other hand, he tends to the sheep. It only makes sense. So in my mind, I'm thinking as long as both of them bring the best that they have, the best offering, then God's going to accept it. But the problem was not this. The authority was, I, I want y'all to grab this. The authority was not in the fruit. The authority was in the blood. Woo! If anybody wants to get on Facebook today, you ought to post that. And people are going to be like, what in the world are they talking about? But just do hashtag Cain and Abel or something. I don't know. The authority is not in the fruit. What God saw was the authority that is in the blood sacrifice. It is the blood that permits us to enter into the holy place. Look at Hebrews 10, 19. This is the authority it gives us. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. That's the holy of holies. The holy place. By whom? By the blood. Do you see where the authority is? The authority is in the blood. My God Almighty. Oh my. So what do I do when nothing else is working in my life, Pastor? What do I do when nothing in my world is happening and falling in place? What do I do when my world or even the world literally around us is crumbling? I'm going to tell you what to do. You need to plead the blood of Jesus. You need to claim the blood of Jesus. It has power over everything on this earth. It has power over your flesh. It has power over your addiction. It has power over this marriage that's on the rocks. It's got power over your children's rebellion. It has power over your finances. It is in the blood of Jesus, the authority. So I would to God that some of us church folks would realize that if we would just call on the name of Jesus and plead the blood of Jesus. The authority of God's going to step in and hell's going to have to get away. Now watch this. Now what does this thing do? So, so when I plead the blood, when I use the authority of the blood, all of a sudden I like this scripture because where does it take us? To the holy place. So when I begin to plead the blood, what it does is it elevates me. What happens is the blood pulls me into the presence of God. Oh. So you're riding in your car down the road and you're praying, Oh God, I ain't going to make it. It's just too hard. And you're sitting there, I don't feel God. I don't even know where God is. Why am I even serving Him anymore? And you're having your little pity party. I need you to stop all that mess. And I need you to say, I plead the blood. Jesus over my life. 
In the name of Jesus, oh, on the authority of the blood that was shed for me, it was not shed in vain, Father, bring you see the difference in my prayer? All of a sudden, God begins to pull me into the holy place. He begins to pull me into the presence of God. I'm telling you, that's the authority that this blood has. So, so if some of you haven't been having your breakthrough and you can't seem to get through in your prayer closet, maybe you need to call on the blood. Maybe you need to understand this authority that God has given you when you begin to plead that blood. It is so powerful. I'm telling you that every demon in hell will tremble when they hear about it. It rocks Satan's world. It was some, I'm telling you, I heard one preacher say it this way that when Jesus was on the cross every drop of blood it shook all of hell every time it hit the ground it was like a rumble in hell the devil scared of the blood ladies and gentlemen because of the authority it has over him so use the authority God's given you Woo! somebody give God a hand clap of praise loud for him amen thirdly thirdly we see the authenticity of the blood. To be authentic means that it is real. It means that it is genuine. It is not fake. This is the real deal. It's not a Sam's Cola. It's a real Coca-Cola. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. The blood is authentic and powerful. Can I tell you why the blood possesses such authority? If you were to cut me right now, please don't do it, Derek, because that could kill me. Ain't right, honey? Ain't there like a juke, a vein somewhere there? Look, if you cut me right here on the side, I don't think I can bleed to death from that. You cut me right there. And if we started dripping blood on this altar, first off, we'd be in Satanism, all right? <laughs> and that's what Satanists do. But if you cut me and we're sprinkling blood on everything, there is no authority. There is no power in my blood, right? Do you know why? Because my name is Jimmy Perdue. I was born in Chesterfield County, April the 18th in the year 1983. My mother was Ann Purdue. My father was Jimmy Wayne Purdue Sr. Thus they call me Little Jimmy. But my real name is Jimmy Wayne Purdue Jr. I am named after my father. Do y'all see why I don't have no authority in my blood? Anybody see it? I had a great mother. I mean, this woman could pray heaven down, right? Great saint of God. Are y'all still getting the picture of why there's no authority in my blood? Because let me show you what's different about Jesus than me. And we talk about it, I think we read it in our Bible at Christmas time every single year. And we just miss the point. But the thing that makes Jesus' blood authentic and has authority and so powerful is the fact that he was born a virgin birth. Are you following me? Because of who my daddy is, is why I don't have authority in my blood. But because of who his daddy is, ooh, I feel like preaching to y'all today. All of a sudden, everything changes. Because even though he is inside of this virgin's womb, my God Almighty, his blood did not originate from Mary and Joseph in conception. The Bible said, Mary, there is something inside of you. And what is inside of you has been planted there by the Holy Ghost. See, this is where it happens at, folks. This is why Christianity is authentic and real. You take away the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and you turn him into a homosexual and you pervert Jesus Christ. They are taking away from the authority. Can I tell somebody today, Jesus was not a homosexual. He was not a gay. He preached against that. Somebody ought to shout amen. There's one thing I can tell you he is. He is a spotless, sinless, Lamb of Almighty God. That is why the blood is so powerful. That is why it's real and authentic. And that's why it works. So because of who is that. So the Holy Ghost puts a seed inside of her. What I'm trying to say in short is this. It was not the blood of Joseph that was coursing through his veins. The Bible declares to us, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. So remember today as you think about the blood that Jesus was the only man slash God, yes he was both, that was able to become the sacrifice for sin because of the authenticity of the blood. 
We live in a world, it, it, can I take a rabbit trail for two minutes? Two minutes, tell me when it's over. We have lived in a world that we have made men and women celebrities. It makes me want to puke right here on this pulpit. We have turned pastors into celebrities. My God, if I could just get to the altar and let him touch me. First off, I want you to understand the power is not in that preacher. I've already told you where the power is coming from. Watch this. Watch this. So, so here we go. We have a basketball, and we're going to give you $30 million a year to shoot this basketball for our entertainment. We are going to praise you. We are going to hail you. We're going to wear your jerseys. We're going to love all of you. You are our hero. Right? You are our hero. And then we want to talk about world hunger. They ain't no man worth $30 million a year. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that right now, ladies and gentlemen. Not even me. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we have this mentality now that we have made men and women absolute celebrities. I watch videos sometimes, funny videos, and, and I laugh like a little kid in there. And, you know, in general, like, what are you looking at? And how... I'm watching them sometimes, and I'm dying laughing. There's this guy the other day, and there's this celebrity that walked in the room, right? He's like, oh, there's, there he is, there he is. Boom, he fainted. What? Get up and be a man. What's wrong with you? We have created an environment that we have lifted man so high that I think we've forgotten about the man we're supposed to be lifting up. We've spent so much time lifting up others and, and praising others. Look how good they are. Look at how good they preach. Look at how good they sing. Look at how good they play. When in reality, the only one I'm supposed to lift up is the God of God that is a head above every head. He's the king of every king. He's the Lord of every Lord. Oh, I got to go, I got to go. So please understand with me. There's something special about Jesus. He is not just another guy. He is not just another celebrity. If anybody's a rock star, it's Jesus. If anybody deserves that type of treatment, it is the one that bled and died so we could have life. I'll leave you with this point. The accomplishment of the blood. Let me show you that the blood, there has never been a single agent, a single thing, a single means so powerful as to accomplish what one drop of the blood of Jesus did for us. You, you could find anything you want. There is no agent, there is no thing that has ever done for us. What Jesus Christ did for us. Now today I've got seven little things. And I could read them all. But it would take us a lot longer. So you're just going to have to trust me as I quote it. We are purchased. Every drop of blood that fell on the ground. I'm going to show you what it did. Seven's God's perfect number. So can we just say seven drops? And I'm going to give you a representation of what all seven drops did. The first drop. We are purchased by the blood of the Lamb. For in Acts chapter 20, 28, he said, Therefore, take heed for yourselves into the flock among which the Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. We live in a day and hour that we got church bosses. I've been in some churches, they say, Man, you don't want to shake that one up. He runs the church. Really? Well, we need to change that immediately. Because it's not his church, it's not my church, it is his church. And so until we get the right mentality, a kingdom mentality. See, there's some pastors, they think, oh, everything, it goes around me, whatever I say goes. And, they think, and what they do is they begin to create their own kingdom. Their own ego is stroked by the things that they've accomplished. At the end of the day, no, sir. This I didn't die for this church. And I've already told you, even if I would have been willing to, the blood would have had no power because of who daddy was, who mama was. But what I'm telling you today is because Jesus Christ, there's something different with him. When he died, that first drop of blood, it made Satan so angry because the church 
that he thought he would defeat. The church that was trying to be birthed in the New Testament, it happened in Acts 2. The disciples are being trained. The apostle Paul is coming along. He's about to establish churches. The Jews are not going to be the only group of Christians. But now to the Greek and to the Gentile and to all nations, the gospel is going to be preached. Please understand with me, the thing that happened on that day was when hell got shook up, was when the blood fell. And he said, boys, it's over. He just won the battle. And here we are today. And God is still declaring over his church that the gates of hell may come against the church the devil may fight against the church the government may fight against the church but the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church why he's the one that owns it God almighty hallelujah point number two we are justified by the blood Romans 5, 9, how much more then, being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath. Hell can't have me. The blood is my ticket to heaven, and Satan can't touch me. I have peace with God through the blood. Colossians said it's by him that he's reconciled us to himself, whether on things of earth or on things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. I'm at peace with God tonight because of the accomplishment of the blood. The fourth drop that spills, we are sanctified by the blood. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Is buried, is, he's buried. He's rose again. Hebrews chapter 13, 12. Now sanctification can happen. Clean, cleanness from the world can happen. Being freed from sin in our life that binds us and being sanctified, it happens by the blood. We are overcomers by the fifth drop of blood. For Revelation 12, 1, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. So when Satan tried to come against him, what was the first defense? The blood. The blood. And then the testimony. Mm. Y'all not be afraid to share that either. Number six. We are redeemed. That means we are bought back. By the blood. That means Satan had me. Satan had us. Until Jesus shed blood. And the blood became the payment. For my sins. And then I. That seventh drop of blood. We are healed. My God. By the blood. For in 1 Peter 2, 24, it's kind of a repeat of what Isaiah 53 had already said. He's wounded for our transgression. He's bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are what? Who bore himself for our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. There is a change that takes place in our life is what he's saying. By whose stripes we are emotionally healed, spiritually healed, physically healed, whatever we need by his blood, by his stripes. What happens when the stripes go on him? The blood begins to fall. So by this blood, we are healed. Go ahead and go to the piano, Sandra. I've got, I've got to quit. I was... Um, I was studying yesterday, and I'm not, my wife's a nurse, some of you are medical field experts, and I'm not one of those, so if I get it wrong, guess what, I'm sorry. But I was doing some research the other day about the medical field. There's something that they do. You can play, Sam, you can play. It is called a blood transfusion. Now, from what I understand... If there's a lack of blood in the system. So in other words, if someone were to get in a car wreck, get cut, they're losing a pile of blood. Maybe perhaps one of the first things that they will do, hook them up. Get the IV in their veins. We are going to do a blood. We got to get the blood flowing again. And so they put it on there. I've also been told that because of a lack of nutrients, that sometimes, or even a lack of oxygen in the blood, that they will hook them up. And they will begin to do a blood transfusion. And oftentimes, do you know that a blood transfusion will save their life? Did you know that? It's a powerful technique. 
It's not rare. They do it very, very often. But I began to think the other day about a spiritual transfusion. And I was thinking of something that connects me to Him. And I was thinking about when I was a sinner. And even though times I've sinned, and at times I've failed, and I thought about it, and I said, huh, it's interesting. Maybe I need a spiritual blood transfusion. Maybe I need to connect to Him and what's lacking in me. His blood. Y'all remember that song? His royal blood now flows through my veins. It's like a blood. Hook me up. And all of a sudden as I'm connected to Him, that blood begins to flow through my body. And I kind of feel like this. No matter whether I'm physically sick, emotionally sick, whether I've got mental health issues going on, and anxiety and fear and stress and depression, it does not matter. When His blood begins to flow through my body, He said at that moment, you are healed. This is the accomplishment of what the blood has done for us. I remember years ago, I was listening to this guy as he was telling this story. And he was talking about how that you have songwriter's block or writer's block, whatever they call it. And so you're writing a book, you're writing a song, and you get to a certain part. And you kind of think, well, how do I want to word it next? I write so many songs that, yeah, I'm kidding. I know what he's talking about, right? But I have wrote some songs, and I know what writer's block is. But he's sitting here, and he's writing the words, what can wash away my sin? And the witch's story said that at that moment when he was trying to think of the next line, that the devil and all of hell would holler out to him, Nothing! Get me right. What can wash away with him? And he talks about how this goes on for so long of time. And every time he sits down to write, all he hears is nothing, nothing, nothing can wash away your sin. Nothing can heal your spiritual sickness. Nothing can change your situation. But one day he said when he sat down, the devil shouted nothing. He finally realized when the Holy Spirit hit him, he said, yeah, but the blood of Jesus, nothing else may not be able to do it. Other things may be obsolete and out of date and may not work anymore. But I promise somebody in this church today there's one thing absolute that is still working and it's going to work till the end of time and it's the powerful blood of Jesus Christ you ought to try claiming it sometimes let's all stand I'm closing I promise I Beth come get a mic I am closing I promise you I promise you I promise We're going to sing a couple, that course maybe a couple times. I want you right now, if you want to come to the altar, that's fine. Wherever you feel comfortable. But if you need this blood to do something for you today, emotionally, physically, spiritually, I want somebody to have a blood transfusion today. I want His blood to flow through you. And find every deficiency within you, every sin within you, every failure within you, every addiction within you, every struggle within you. And as he filters in, do you know what transfusions do? The old filters out. And that's what God's wanting to do in this house Can you claim the blood? Oh, for it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me the strength from day. Come on, let the Lord touch you today. Highest mountain, and it flows 
to the lowest valley for it's the blood that gives me the strength from day to day it will never if you're out there and you may not have a need today I'd get a couple people that would want to come just Pray with these that are around. They need strength today. Just lay hands on them. And what you do, you plead the blood of Jesus over their lives and let God touch them today. In Jesus' name. Well, it soothes my doubt. And it comes all my fears. It dries away all, all my tears. Oh, it's the blood that gives me the strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Oh, for it reaches to the highest mountain. To the lowest valley, for it's the blood that gives me the strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Thank you.